Welcome to the Beyond the Reef podcast, where I talk to experts and researchers in the reef aquarium hobby, discussing a broad range of topics from corals and reef biology to water chemistry and equipment. We take a deep dive into our guests' methods, techniques, and top reef keeping tips. My name is Adam Sutherland, and I am the owner-operator of Frag Garage Corals, based out of British Columbia, Canada. My guest for this episode is Ben Aronowitz from BSA Corals, based out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Ben has been running BSA Corals since 2015, a hobbyist for 20 plus years, and Ben is known for bringing in some of the craziest LPS softies, uh, just corals in general that I've come across. So uh, definitely check out his Instagram for some serious eye candy. I get Ben to reveal the most expensive coral he sold, which is super crazy. We compacted a lot into this hour conversation, so I hope you get some good info from it. I will link to his website and any resources that we discuss in this episode. If you want to support this podcast, the best thing you can do is like, subscribe, share, write us a review. And if you have any comments, suggestions, or questions for a future episode, please reach out. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ben from BSA Corals. All right, Ben, thanks for joining me. Oh, yeah. Thanks, thanks for, for having me. Yeah, thanks for making time. I know you're, uh, you're one-man business, you were saying, right? It's, you, you do pretty much everything? Yeah, pretty much everything. Um, as we've gotten into the warehouse here, too, we've been expanding. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But for right now... Yeah, it's hard to find people you can trust, hey? Like people that are at your level that, you know, also like that you can pay, you know, something reasonable to that are going to do the job that, you know, <laughs> you can hopefully do as well. Right. Absolutely. And it, it's trying to find somebody that hasn't, hasn't been trained in the wrong way as to what you want, because every, everybody's different. Yeah. Everybody has their own, their own particular way they like doing things, you know? So that one thing that someone else has trained someone to do that I might, I might not like is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Trying, to fi- trying to find someone you want to train your way, but I think you you don't want them to live up to your expectations though, too, because you want them to have their own ideas and, and projects on their own too. Yeah, no, I mean, it's an opportunity to learn too. Um, but yeah, no, I know absolutely. things like fragging is, is such a, such a specific thing to how you like, you know, cutting the frags, mounting the frags, healing them, whatever your process is like. For you, you do a lot more LPS than I do. Like, what's kind of your process for, say, like fragging Ganiapora, Acans, like some of those meteor kind of LPS where you actually have to cut through the tissue? I would, I would say on a lot of them, I, you don't, you, you don't want to cut them too small. A lot of people will cut really small frags, and and shockingly, they, they, they die. Well, that's not that shocking. I mean, they yeah. they're not the hardiest things, especially when they come in. You need to aqua, I mean, you need to culture them a little bit and make sure they're all happy. And then the main thing is, especially with the colonies, is I find you want to cut off a lot of the rock. Yeah, uh, the rock has a lot of stuff that you even if you dip, you're just you're not going to get out of the rock. And once you cut them up, you 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 um you get them into a cycle where they're already trying to heal up and they come back better. So. You know, you might yeah. lose some frags inevitably, but you just don't want that that nasty rock in your system either way. There's a lot of stuff in Ganiaporas that you do not want in your tank. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. So when you kind of have the little kind of golf ball size pieces, so you kind of cut like maybe like a half inch from the surface, from the tissue of the surface kind of thing. Is that about kind of it, it, yeah. it, it, the golf balls? The golf ball ones are difficult. You have to kind of actually cut into it. So it's like if you're just going to cut it in half, you're still leaving a massive amount of, of rock inside yeah. the base. And I, I just don't trust that rock. So I'll, I'll even cut that up. I'll go a step further. I'll, I'll cut them into fours or I'll cut them into sixes and I'll, and I'll work that rock down a little bit. And I find once you get rid of that rock and once they start to heal back and there's nothing but a frag plug and, and the coral that they really take off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is there any dipping you do in anything like after fragging, any kind of iodine or potassium chloride? That, that'll, like that? that'll, depend, that'll, that'll depend on the coral. I do iodine. Um, but if the coral's healthy, I mean, I find no reason to really do it. Um, yeah. If you're going to cut cut a bunch of different corals at the same time, and you're not going to cut, and you're not going like, to take the time and go clean the saw out after each one, then yeah, absolutely dip. Yeah. But, you know, if you're just going to cut an A-can real quick, and it's really healthy, and it's the only thing you're going to cut, just clean the saw out after you're done, and, you know, don't risk it yeah, for next for sure. time. Yeah, I find A-cans are, are pretty good for recovering. Um, but uh, yeah, I've heard about people putting a little bit of iodine in there in the salt water uh, in the saw, like in your uh, Griffin saw. Do you ever do that? or? 
I have not actually. The only reason I do not is because it's just it's. I'm not a massive fan of the Griffin. I wish yeah. the Inlands were more popular and prevalent and built a little bit stronger because Griffins use re- uh, recycled water, and after about two or three minutes, that water is is pretty disgusting. Yeah. And I, sure. I don't even want the iodine in that water. Like, I don't feel, what is the benefit doing at that point? Yeah. It's just recycling nasty-ass water. Um, but um, the, the the Inland is an amazing saw. I actually, I wish that they would have expanded on that. And if I had time, I'd make my own saw. Yeah. Not using recycled water. I think I think that infects a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen some people do like a gravity-fed, um, you know, drip uh, from something above. So you got constant new water coming in. It's probably I, I, a good I have, go. I have, I I have a I have a project written up. I would love to put something on the wall right now, which is gravity feeds my Griffin, um, and and try to figure out a way I could just do that and not use the water underneath it, um, because you have to keep everything really wet in that, or else the blade will get incredibly hot and just burn everything. Yeah, you know it's a glass cutting saw. Like glass doesn't need to be cooled off as well as a coral does. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, actually, let me backtrack a little bit. So as far as your business um like how did you get into doing it kind of full time and like you know from the hobbyist level to you know turning it into a business it seems like you've come a long ways you have some pretty amazing access to corals now like how did you kind of get get to that point uh i mean when when you love what you do it's not really a a business but you have to you have to run it as a business too but I, i think i think any passion fed business like this whether it be reptiles corals i mean really anything you have to have you have to have a passion for it first and then you have to yeah. see what, what you can get a hold of later on in life. If you were to start selling the pieces that you did have, maybe I can get some better pieces. And you, know, you just you open up connections. And after doing it for you know so many years, um, it, it, it's an interesting thing. Good pieces will come to you, and you'll, you'll also go find them too. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. Um, like as far as like I'm not going to ask you to reveal any of your connection secrets, but uh, like you've definitely found like over time you've been able to sort of access more cherry picking and, um, you know, because I've seen stuff on your Instagram that is like, you know, some super one of a kind kind of, oh, yeah. you know, kind oh, yeah. of pieces, stuff I've the, never the sad, seen. The, the sad part is having to sell those kind of things. If I if I could hold on to them for eternity, I would I would be amazed and you, and you yeah. would be amazed to see the the progression and the growth and the color and just how these things turn out. But um, it, it, it is a process. It is a process. And I think, I think a big misconception though, too, in the hobby is, you know, I've been doing this for so long and yes, there was a time when, when a lot of people didn't know what this stuff was and how rare it was and how, how hard it is to find this one rainbow acanto out of a shipment of thousands of them yeah. that you, you would, you would get them for decent prices, you know, so you would find that needle in a haystack. You know, look at look at scolies for examples. Now, I mean, you could get a master scully for two or three hundred dollars. When I remember actually getting master scullies in for the first time, now, I mean, if you're lucky, you can get one for a thousand dollars wholesale for a good one. Yeah. If you're lucky, but you also have to buy, you know, twenty or thirty other scullies that let's be frank, let's be frank, I don't want. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's a tricky thing. I've noticed that with the Aussie suppliers, like <laughs> most of them will not let you just cherry pick ultra, ultra, ultra. And, oh, yes. You know, oh, you yes. got to take a certain amount. So it makes you wonder. And you, you also know, when they're in, when they're collecting in the wild, like, you know, like how much can they see when they're actually collecting or do they just collect a bunch, bring it back, kind of see what they have and then go, OK, well, let's set those aside. Those are the crazy ones or, you know, or if they're just picking for the crazy ones initially, like maybe they don't know so much when they see them in the, in the ocean. I'm not sure. I, I would have to think by now that they know they know what we're looking for because if, yeah. if they show me a, sh- a shipment of a thousand scolies and there's only a couple in there that I actually want, uh, th- that's fantastic. But they're not going to send me that nice one. They they have a thousand other scolies, so yeah. I have to think by now that they 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 have it down to a decent enough science. But but still, I mean. The, the the possibilities over there are endless. I don't I don't think we even see just a slight bit of what actually whatever what actually comes into the United States. Like you'd be shocked at what what doesn't. Yeah, no, I imagine like there's the Asian market that's getting a big chunk of high end stuff that we probably is not even on our radar. Um, you know, Europe, UK, like this, one day you know. I would I would love I would love to take several several months at a time, especially in the AZ summers, um, to go actually over to like Hong Kong. And just just places and just see what this kind of stuff is because i know where this stuff goes yeah and you know once it's there you'll never see it again mm-hmm. yeah and there might be a like a price tag thing too where you know they're they're just willing to pay more for certain things so you know oh, absolutely you absolutely get a crack absolutely. at it 
Yeah. Absolutely. It's an interesting thing, too. I mean, you look at this country, though, too. I mean, a, w, a WWC bounce might be worth more in certain states than it is in other places because people can't get them or there's better strains here or there. And it's the same thing over there, too. I mean, when you're when you're dealing with corals that, that people will risk their lives going out to, to find. Yeah. I mean, there's going to there's going to be some the money changing hands for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing with uh, I remember the Philippines was where a lot of the uh, rainbow chalices came from. Um and I heard about somebody getting busted and and getting executed <laughs> for, oh, yeah. for getting busted oh, yeah. there. Um, like, have I you... mean, and that's 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 one story that you did hear of. Yeah, totally, totally. And I mean, that's probably it was probably in the news because that was, you know, someone from Canada or the States. So you got to <laughs> think there's people on yes, the other side yes. that are trying to get stuff out that, you know, absolutely we don't hear about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And some of those uh, rainbow chalices, like, have you seen any come in from other other countries that are as nice as some of those Philippine ones? Like, uh, I'm curious. I mean, uh, well, it, it, again, it depends on what everybody's definition of nice is. Like, I have chalices right now that aren't even worth that much money, but I think they're some of the nicest chalices. And I've, I've having seen massive rainbow chalices the size of beach volleyballs, yeah. that's saying something, you know? Yeah. Um, I think I think rainbow in this hobby is, is, an, is an interesting yeah, like, term. Rainbow. Anything, anything rainbow is amazing. <laughs> and I... To me, that's just not true. I, I I have some chalices that are not rainbow, but the intricacy of yeah. them. It, when you when you look at them next to a rainbow, you're like, wow, that is that is just cool. Yeah. Um. But yes, yes and no. Uh, yes and no. It depends. It depends on what they're what people are looking for. Aussie rainbow chalices are very different from Indo rainbow chalices, mm. and and completely different spectrum of care uh, and and health and how yeah, they come I find in. Them, they're definitely. Them? lower light i would say overall the aussie aussie ones have come across um have you found kind of the same like they're typically... I, I would say almost 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 indirect light almost no direct light yeah yeah no there's a few that didn't do so well for me for a while and i actually put them under the rack so <laughs> you know they're just what, getting what, this... what 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 kind were though just like the aussie yeah like, aussie in, in the kind rainbows. of marbled rainbow kind of ones yeah, and yeah, uh some of yeah. those are really cool i mean i got some that have like five or six colors in them and and they weren't even oh, yeah. particularly expensive they're small like two inch pieces but a uh, cool piece yeah. to grow out and kind of see what it's going to do over yeah. time right i mean a good good example for any any listeners follow uh, any followers listening right now you can go on my instagram page and see that i, I just posted a chalice called the mass confusion mm-hmm. um to me that 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 is a true rainbow rainbow chalice you know i don't know what what I I think yeah. people define rainbows as there's sort of four or five colors but this has 15 20 colors wow yeah that's crazy yeah. Um, so as far as system volume, like what do you kind of have in your, your place, your warehouse um, and how many different systems? That is a systems? good question. That is a good question. We have, <laughs> you probably me don't my, know. <laughs> me, and my, me and my buddy were trying to do the math the other day because I custom built. Everything here is custom built. Um, the tanks were custom built. I had to freight them in from Florida and everything's custom dimension. So we, we did the math. I think the larger systems are just shy of 650 gallons with, with the total with the sump and the tank itself. Um, and then I don't even run the run the tanks at a really high level. They're they're down about six inches. So yeah. there's still a lot of water volume in the system. Smaller systems are about three twenty, three forty. Yeah. And then how many of the larger systems? There are there are three massive systems, uh, three smaller systems, and then right now there is a uh, lagoon dual frag tank, which is actually really cool. I'm gonna start posting videos of that cool. pretty pretty soon. And do like some filter feeders in there. Um, that's like 250 gallons, and then there's also more frag tanks being planned right now. Just some big glass, beautiful display tanks. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so you probably have like 2,500 gallons or somewhere. Oh, in that it, kind no, of range, my or... goodness. I mean, I <laughs> right now it's closer to pro, pro, probably like 3,400, 3,500. But yeah. the goal is to get closer to six eventually. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a lot to maintain on your own, especially like depending on how many of them are um, individual, like their own set of maintenance and water parameters. Like, um, like I'm, I'm assuming some of them are tied together, but you probably have, um, you know, multiple systems you have to test constantly, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm I'm probably one of the most OCD people in testing too. I mean, so I, if if anybody knew how much money you go through in, in test kits, yeah, <laughs> doing doing this stuff on a massive volume, it's 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 actually kind of um, disgusting to to see that. But um, but again, knowledge is key, though, right? So if if you want if you want good tank, you want to know why something is upset one day or why this is not open today. You know, test, figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, one of those things that allows like people like us that have multiple systems to learn is you can kind of experiment with 
different parameters and different systems and kind of see, mm -hmm. you know, what things do better in. Um, like, what are some things you would say? I mean, light is kind of an obvious one. Is there anything, say, for your LPS versus your SPS that you do, like, particularly differently? Like, do you run nutrients higher, anything like that? Heavier feeding? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like nutrients is, is a key to a lot of things. So you want to keep higher nutrients in almost really anything you do, unless unless you're trying specifically not to. Mm -hmm. But um, there's a there's a fine line between a dirty tank and a, and a nutrient rich tank, right? So I mean, all my sumps contain a lot of macroalgae, mm -hmm. which will cut down on a lot of phosphates and nitrates. So it's a good balance. But I, don't starve your don't starve your corals. If if they're starving, they're going to starve. I mean. The, they get a lot of nutrient in the ocean that there's no way we could ever provide them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like try you, things, Exp experiment with foods. Yeah. Would you say you feed the LPS system quite a bit heavier than the SPS? Oh, system? Yes. Yeah. Oh uh, yes. Um, I mean, not, not quite a bit heavier. I feed a lot, but the, SP, the SPS definitely does not get nearly as much. It'll get more um, concentrated direct supplements than the, than the LPS. We'll just get broadcast food everywhere for, yeah. the, you know, the tank will get murky and, and, and dirty and they love it. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, what kind of foods do you kind of, what do you focus on more for your LPS? I, I mean, I feel like most of the people I've had on this podcast are, are mostly stickheads. So I'm kind of wanted to <laughs> get more of your LPS take. So um, is it, are you feeding kind of a variety of stuff or anything like that's your main go-to? Yeah. I, I, so I, I, uh, whenever, whenever I get to the, to the warehouse, I'll just make up a big batch of, of a bunch of different stuff and we get Rob's foods. So, I mean, I have everything in the freezer, so I'll just, I'll just mix up a massive batch. Yeah. And ev all the, ta all the tanks will get that when I first come in and the fish, fish will get some dedicated algae later in the day. And then, um, I'll put in some oyster feast, some, um, ROE, mm -hmm. um, just other random stuff. And then we do, we do AB plus. Um, we're looking into um, another one. I have to go check and see what it's called. I think it's called Reef Booster. I'm going to try that on one of my tanks. Mm -hmm. You know, with with a lot of volume, you can experiment. You yeah. Know? And there's, yeah. there's a lot of amazing stuff on the market right now that, that you can rely on pretty well. Yeah, I've heard good things about the Oyster Feast with uh, SPS. So amazing. Thinking amazing. about trying it. Um, you know, like one thing I've noticed with a lot of sps foods is like even if i turn the flow off and like look really carefully like i don't really see the polyp like actually take it in um and i'm curious if the oyster feast is uh you know potentially a, you know better at that like have you sort of seen polyps actually take it in on sps you know i i, I don't i don't think i've ever looked close enough to yeah. really look at it um but i will say that when your SPS are feeding, you're going to see a lot of like stringy filaments and stuff yeah. like that. And, and if you look close enough, you will see a feeding response. I, I've never seen an SPS polyp take a, a piece of food in. I've seen, I've seen it catch mysis, but I, I really doubt over the time. Yeah. I didn't look at it that, it, that it ate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, look what I caught. <laughs> Not going to fit in your polyp, Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, that could have, that could account for some, maybe some random RTN in one spot that it ate something and it just got rotted out because it ate mm. something like too big. But um, yeah, I, I I, I think it does. That ROE is amazing stuff. I mean, if you broadcast that, and I'm sure that the polyps catch that and, and go out of their way to, to actually catch it and eat it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, would you say there's any products that you've started using where you've noticed like a pretty significant, um, you know, increase in color or, or, or overall health? Like anything that was like, and say it was like the only thing you kind of started at a certain time. Yeah, I was about I was about to say it. it could it be the old? Would it be the only thing that I had used at that point? Um, I really can't. I'll be honest with you. I really can't. I will say that everything in my fridge and my freezer, all these frozen foods, like all the oyster feast and ROE and all the Rob's foods, and um, really, I mean, just it's just natural stuff. I, I can't say that there's anything that I added besides just my feeding regimen and. Yeah. Um, making sure that the levels were stable and just all that. Yeah, no. And uh, I mean, I think that's probably, that seems to be a common thing with a lot of people that have good success is they're feeding like a, quite a variety of different foods. You know, it's a, it's a range of stuff, like a little, oh, a little something for everybody. Right. And, and absolutely, uh, yeah, what doesn't get used is going to be converted into nitrates and, and taken in as phosphates and, and mm -hmm. whatnot. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, so I guess uh, as far as like, say, trace elements, um, I don't know how regularly you do ICPs. Like, are there certain systems you focus more on dialing the trace or? I will be honest. The only reason I really ever send out ICPs is if I need an answer for something. And that, that's rarely, rarely. Yeah. 
answer. I mean, and, and what's interesting about ICP too is if you find like a potassium or something, a buddy of mine just sent me his ICP results and it's one of those weird levels that I couldn't even explain to you how it got into the tank if I wanted to. I'm not, I'm not a biologist. Yeah. Um, even if I was a biologist, I, I still don't think I could explain to you how this level got in there. There's no way to take it out. Mm. So I, I, sometimes I think all it does is make you worry a little bit too much. Yeah. Like was this guy's uh, potassium like like way out of range, like way above? Yeah, I, I, it might even it might not even have been potassium. I can go back and look at it, but yeah. um, it was just it was just so an anomaly. It was mm -hmm. just such an anomaly. Like, where would that come from? Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes it's the product that you're dosing that the intention is not to raise the potassium. Like, there's potassium nitrate, potassium phosphate. Some of those yeah. phosphate and nitrate yeah. additives have potassium in them, and then you know, unknowingly, if you're really aggressively trying to raise your nitrates because they're always reading zero. Um, you know, you might end up putting your potassium into a slightly dangerous range or, you know, raise yeah. it at a dangerous rate. But yeah, um, I actually noticed recently my iodine has been high on my last few ICPs. And, and one product I dose is the uh, KZ flatworm stop for my acros. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. And it's got some iodine in it, you know, and that's probably where it's coming from. So, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's amazing though. But we went into this whole discussion about how, why do you think it's happening? He also was telling me he dosed for flatworms a couple of weeks ago. He's like, do you actually think that the die off of that many flatworms would cause these levels? And, and we're getting into it. And, and I'm just sitting here thinking to myself, it's like, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. All you got to do is do a water change, run some, run some carbon if anything's upset in there and see if any, you know, send it off again if you're that worried about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing it is nice to do icps when the tanks are doing like super well so you kind of have a, a comparison point to like what was how but you know that doesn't always tell me anything because sometimes i look at the icps when like i'll look back at photos and be like yeah my my system was really kicking ass here and i'll go and i'll i'll look at the icp and i'll be like oh i was missing this missing you know what this, i missing you this. know what i re <laughs> relate you know what i relate icp to is like when apple comes out with the new apple watch and everybody wants it we and he, we we have an inherent like need and want to know if something's wrong or even if something is doing good we want to know yeah and that's what icp is it gives you peace of mind or it'll give you something to worry about yeah no for sure yeah it's definitely i mean i i talk about this a bit it's like you know back in the old days like the ignorance was bliss a little bit like knowing less was um in some in some cases i think led to some of my success early on um and you know in some cases now some of the changes i've made to try to focus and pay more attention to these traits have actually potentially been detrimental. So yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Um, I mean, the moonshiners method is obviously like a super refined version of, of this. And I think one of the reasons mm -hmm. that it, it, it sounds like one of the reasons it is successful for some people is the daily dosing of the elements that get depleted more, like they don't stabilize in salt water for very long. Um, so I think right. some of those are the ones that are beneficial, but then it's like, you got to dose a few drops of this and a few drops of this and this every freaking day. You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, a lot of those methods, a lot of those, a lot of those methods don't take into account that people actually do have personal lives. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's like, if you yeah. got, yeah, multiple systems, like how many systems are you going to, going to do that on? Like, it's just, oh, abso yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, I think I think reefing is a is a massive dedication of your time, your energy, your love, your hate. Your it's it's everything. But when you do it right, it's it's probably one of the most rewarding things you can ever be a part of. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm definitely like got a little more spring in my step on a on a week where I feel like I've hit a bit of a stride with the tank. And then at the same time, if I'm losing a couple nice pieces that I've grown out over a couple of years, like that can really affect my mental state. <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I mean, just 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 to give you an example, I mean, I, I have a beautiful a can. I've been I've been growing out for probably like close to two years. And I came in the other day just, you know, getting my morning coffee and trying to look at everything, make sure everything looks good. And this A-can is just closed up. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that, that that's normal. You know, it, it's fine. You know, another day or two goes by and it's still not opening back up. And I'm like, well, that's just, that's just suspicious. Um, you know, so two days ago, um, it just starts to die. It just, uh, just randomly starts to die. And, and the, the frustrating part is half of it is still open and half of it is actively dying. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, what can I do to save this? And the sad part is there was absolutely nothing I could do to save it. Um, but I think that um, sometimes even if you try your best, 
it's 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 just there's just cor corals are living living things and even if you try your best it's just not gonna yeah it's not some, gonna save it sometimes it's just the coral you know it's not something you did it the is. coral just had it something it came in with i mean in a situation like that i'm gonna kind of think it's something to do with bacteria um like have you ever done any full tank treatments or do you ever treat corals outside of the tank in a oh in a, i have yeah. i have i've done i've done i've done cipro treatments before and and that, that's pretty effective too i mean you you can assume that it's bacteria but if you look in a tank when everything is doing good and that one achan just decides to be weird about it mm -hmm. are you going to dose the entire tank because you have a small suspicion about this one or are you just going to chalk it up to well that that's just an act of god you know like yeah. there's nothing i could there's nothing i could have done yeah for sure <laughs> i would be inclined i mean my inclination for anything like that is to to pull the coral out and and uh, i think always especially with sps like you have to cut a lot further up away from where the recession is than you would think like you have to let go of that part of the colony that looks healthy and just cut like way past it yeah you do you absolutely do i mean that it's but it's a, it's, a, it's one of those things that if you cut enough of it and you re you restart the process of it growing back you're not going to you're going to make up for that little bit you lost anyway yeah. but sps is a, it's a whole different animal though i mean you you cut an acan you just you cut you cut you cut the dying polyp off even if you think you can save some of it just to save the rest and acro you know you may cut it and it looks looks like you did a great job on the cut that doesn't mean you're not going to get that same result yeah yeah it seems like the sort of interconnectedness of the colony um, sometimes the, whatever's happening is already kind of chain reaction throughout and the, the death you're seeing is just like an after effect, you know, it's... it is, it is it's, <laughs> I, I, a good example is a, is a scully. Like uh, when it, when it came in, I, I knew that I knew in my heart that it was going to die. There's, mm -hmm. there's nothing that I can do that would change my mind in that fact. And of course, you know, like, like I expected eight or 10, ten days after I got it, the mouth starts opening up, not closing. And there's nothing you can do. And it, it is actually, it feels like you're watching the slow progressive death of something. You, you just can't do anything to save. And, yeah. and you don't have the answer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of why it's doing this either. Yeah, it's one of the one of the battles of the hobby for sure. I mean, I guess in some ways, the fact that your shop is not at home like mine is like, you know, I, I'm checking stuff at night before I go to bed. I'm checking it first thing in the morning. Like in some ways, like you, it might be nice that you're able to get things off your mind when you go home, but I don't know how much you're able to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a nice thought. Yeah. It's a, a nice thought. Yeah. In, in reality, it's just a thought though. It's just a thought. I, I lay in bed sometimes just, just stressing <laughs> about maybe something I didn't do or, yeah. or all this stuff. Yeah, you know, totally. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a Saturday, it's a Saturday evening and I'm, and I'm here about to do a website update. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, um, so you were saying, I think you said you dose AB plus, uh, which is the, uh, the red sea yellow amino, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So like, have you, do you like aminos with the SPS and the LPS? Is that something you've kind of noticed benefit from? Oh, absolutely. I, again, I don't know how much benefit I can't say it's just because of that. Um, but absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, part of you're going to have big tanks. If you're going to have big tanks, you're going to add a lot of good stuff. It is part of the cocktail, absolutely. And I'm, I have seen amazing results on on tanks, and that is why I've, I've tried it. So I, I'm, I'm going to assume that the color boost is it's partly because of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, like, as far as lighting on your SPS systems, what are you kind of running on there? Just a, a bunch of G6s mixed with some Reef Brights, uh, yeah. the blue XHOs. And right now I'm trying to figure out how I can actually add a couple reef brights to the side mm -hmm. without destroying everything I already have. So that's a par par is the name of the game. I'd like to get it up to like 600. Yeah. Yeah. No, I built a few uh, fixtures out of that 80, 20 rail, you know, that stuff, the mm -hmm. extruded aluminum. Yeah, and yeah. it's super nice yeah. for having that modularity where you can add more reef brights or, you know, kind of change the positioning of things. So it's... that was actually the last, the last thing we did, we did 80, 20 and it was, it's just a pain to work with. So oh, I, yeah. I had to yeah. find, find someone who was willing to do it. But it came out really well, and it, um, it, it's remarkable how much better it actually looks than the big, uh, like, stainless, not stainless, but big steel bars holding everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, for your, what, what salt are you using right now, and have you kind of gone through a couple different types and seen any better results yeah, or anything? Yeah, um, right now we use the uh, Red Sea Blue Bucket. 
yep. price wise and and stability wise i found that to be the best i mean i used to use tropic marin pro um we've used fritz before i just i i you know i have i have the best connections on the salt that i use now and it's the most stable i haven't really had any bad batches i think i've had one bag that was suspicious out of you know hundreds and you know mm. it's a nice nice salt because you can tell if, it, if something smells funky don't use it yeah or if it doesn't on, on all salt yeah and if it doesn't mix um you know yes. as quick as you're used to then something's going yes. on yes don't risk yeah. it don't risk it buy another bag yeah no I, I actually just did sort of the opposite so i've been using the blue bucket actually i mix the blue bucket with a little bit of the black bucket like five to one ratio so the alkalinity is a little bit higher because it's actually i've what did that I've tested, what did that mix up at? It mixed up around 8 to 8.3 or so once I mixed it okay. 5 to 1. So um, just, you know, it's easier than higher. it's easier than, say, trying to adjust just the alkalinity. Like, I mean, I assume the formula is pretty much exactly the same other than the parameter differences. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, something you might want to try. But um, I... Uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I've actually never thought about that, but... It is interesting. I mean, you don't, you're not creating that much of a difference. I just, I wonder how they blend together. That, that's my question. I wonder how the salts mend. I just think it's probably pretty much the exact same salt with just a slight parameter boost. So like, I mean, why yeah, would it be a different the exact chemistry? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's like dog foods where they have, you know, you can change yeah. the protein, <laughs> but the, the, the base of the food's the same, right? So, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no. So I actually switched to Tropic Marin. I just did my first little water change with it and I, I made sure it's German. Um, you know, it's been, they've, I haven't heard any reports of any issues from anybody for a while and I got good pricing on it. So I figured I'd, uh, I'd try it for a little while. And I mean, you know, there's this fantasy with making a change in our tanks where like, you know, we're going to see some, something's going to get better. Something's going to improve. Like, I feel like sometimes you do just need to change things up just to see if something improves. Uh, yeah, I mean, but again, with those salt though, too. I mean, I, I, I think that you, when you ask somebody, like, hey, like that, that, their tank is amazing. Like, what, what salt do you use? What do you do? What do you do? What do you do? You can replicate that as much as you want, but each, each tank is is different. I mean, I have seen people create the most amazing tanks on the cheapest, most garbage salt pr pr products I yeah. you can find on yeah. the market. But that I don't think that's the reason behind their success. Yeah. Yeah, no, you could. They could be using like those Chinese black boxes for lights Absolutely. and Instant Ocean, Absolutely. and you know, like yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't know. It's just a reminder that we don't we don't have to get so fancy with stuff. Like, you know, there's there's simple solutions. Um, you know, we we don't have to get so fancy. We don't have to. We also don't have to understand it understand it as much as we we want and strive to we have to we have to learn but we don't have to be upset at ourselves that we just don't understand it that minute yeah no that minute i mean over time i i hope to understand more and more absolutely I mean, but but it's like you know sometimes you have to just accept that like you know people send me pictures of a coral that's dying and they're like why do you think it's dying i'm like there are so many factors that could be playing a role like i would need I to mean, know so much information ask them Ask them if they can pick. Ask them if they can pick the winning lottery numbers, yeah. right? so we can go. We can go split that one point seven billion Powerball. I mean, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, it's your best guess. It's your best guess most of the times. Yeah, it's definitely tricky to know. Um, your what are you sort of using to supply your major elements on your systems? Are you a calcium reactor guy, two part? Like, what's your style? Two part, two yeah. part, and there will be calcium reactors on them eventually. That's just one thing we we just haven't gotten around to yet. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, two part, two yeah. part. I, I swear by I swear by that. Yeah. Um, are you like making your own or using ESV or something like that? We use ESV. We yeah. use ESV. Yeah. I mean, cost, cost, cost wise, I, I really don't think I could make my own any more effectively for the for the price that we pay. Yeah. And at least, I mean, ESV made those 20 gallon buckets now, yes. um, which I'm sure you're using. Um, like, oh, yes. Yeah. I, my storeroom, my storeroom looks like an ESV uh, uh, shop. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a lot of plastic. It'd be nice it if is. there was it a is. way for ESV to do a, like a system that was more of like a uh, maybe they do kind of a balling system i don't think they do though you have to buy the liquids but i mean the liquids are concentrated right like you you water them down they, um yeah. they, they are that that is i would say that is my only um my only like really uh, um pet peeve with them is that you have to mix your own and then like the alkalinity will take me a good half an hour to let that dissolve and i'll forget that i ran out of alkalinity supplement the night before and i didn't mix it up so then i have to mix it up and it's just, it's just, it's great. It's great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It would be awesome if you could just have something perfectly ready and 
all that. But I'll get around to making it my my myself one day. At, at certain points, if you have six thousand gallons, you're gonna have to do it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's. I mean, and that's what I do. I do like a balling system with. I use the Fauna Marin uh, trace, and then uh, I actually don't use Fauna's um, calcium alkalinities. I uh, I use like a ball well, and then I add the trace myself. So. Have you ever have you ever tried their calcium and alkalinity? Um, I mean, I probably would. It's just like, you know, way more expensive than what I can get. It is. So, it is. Um, it is have, you, yeah. have you used it before and seen it, how well it dissolves? I assume that the calcium chloride is really good purity, et cetera, you know. I mean, I will say for the price it is, they do give you what you're expecting. Yeah. Um, but if you if if you want something that's just as effective and you're gonna you know you're fine mixing it up yourself a little bit or doing ten minutes of extra work, just just get the ESV two part or yeah you know anything like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I've seen so many systems I've, that started from ESV two part and just continued with it and just had oh, yeah. great success. So, yeah. It seems like they. I mean, really... I think I think I started with Brightwell years ago, and then you know, after you realize how diluted that stuff is, you're like, well, I, I can do better. And then ESV is just when you use that, it's 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 just night and day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So ESV is more concentrated than than Brightwell. Hey. I wouldn't even say more concentrated. I just say they give you better product. Yeah. Um, so the trace element profile is maybe a little more. Right. Right. Um, it's a it's a reefers yeah. pro it's a reefers product. And I, I'm so I don't I don't I don't want to ever talk. You know crap yeah. about petco i love petco i still go to petco but it's a, it's it's the buffer you, brightwell is the buffer you get a petco if you need something yeah that right now right now esv is the buffer you get when you when you do a little reading you're like i can do better mm -hmm. yeah you know it's like when you when you give your dog and cat um a you know a b plus food or a plus food it's like you're probably just gonna go for something better anyway yeah no for sure think when it comes to living <clears throat> things for sure um absolutely yeah did you, okay, so like in any of your systems over the years, have you ever like seen a parameter or a level kind of run outside of the kind of normal range where you've really seen benefit, like say like higher alkalinity, higher salinity, anything like that? I don't know if I'd say benefit. I would say no, no harm, no foul. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, I've been, there's been a time where I was out of town and, um, you know, the person I had watching that, that one system that I needed them to dose because the other ones were fine without it but that one system you know they just they underdose so my alkalinity took a took a tank mm -hmm. and you know I, I, I get home nothing looks affected i raise it back up fine and you know slowly but fine and then and nothing looks affected yeah um I, 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 but again i i think that that really is tank to tank though too because i one of my good friends grows mushrooms and his tank is one of the dirtiest tanks i've ever seen his nitrates are up there through the roof his phosphates are through the roof if you looked at that as a as a new reefer, you would say, oh, that's a big no-no. Mm -hmm. You know, but look at his tank. Who wouldn't want that tank? Yeah. Like, is he able to keep SPS in there or is it just mostly? I think it's mostly softies. And yeah. uh, I'm, I'm sure I think there are some SPS. But again, I, I've seen people with SPS uh, nutrient levels through the roof, too. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that really depends on how, how clearly you're, you're, you're keeping them. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the ratio of those nutrients seems to be a, a thing too, as far as phosphate versus nitrate. Um, do you what, so? What is kind of your sweet spot that you shoot for if you're testing your phosphates and nitrates? Um, I honestly don't. I, I couldn't even tell you what a sweet spot is. I, I'm, yeah. I'm still waiting for the the phase of growth where I find that sweet spot. Like everything grows beautifully, but I'm trying to figure out in in each tank. If I keep it this at this level, does it grow faster? If I have a little bit higher, what's the? I'm still testing. I'm still having fun with everything. Yeah. You know, that's what's fun about these big systems is, I can I can mess around with them and, and see and, you know, not as much with the SPS systems, but the as the LPS. But like if I raise the magnesium in, in one of my systems, I can I can take the time a little bit to see how that affects everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's good. It's nice to be able to compare for sure. Um... Yeah, actually, I wanted to talk about corals a little bit more. Um, and let me know if you're getting short on time or anything. Um, I think we're, yeah, well, you just warn me if you get, if you got to run. But uh, so. Oh, no, you're good. I, I, I've got about 20 minutes before I got to hop on another call. But... Okay, sweet. So like as far as, let's talk about SPS a little bit. So like your acquisition of SPS, are you bringing in much as far as wild or maricultured or is a lot of what you sell? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. If, you, if you want if you want newer stuff, I mean, look at look at speciosis. No one just reached into their tank one day and found that and was like, hey, I have this. Look at this and this cool. Like someone, <laughs> yeah. someone found him, brought him in. Uh, all, all coral at some point is wild. 
I mean, if you want aquacultured stuff, that that's why that's why we sell aquacultured stuff on our website for amazing hardy stuff for forty dollars. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I mean, if you want those those acros, that speciosa, that's a thousand dollars. That what's crazy is all the risk and all the all the ones that have died and all that built into that price. Yeah, yeah, and we've talked about the the speciosa in Malaysia a fair bit on this podcast. Um, have you brought in any <laughs> orders yourself from Malaysia? Um, we have. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not blown away by it. They're amazing, absolutely. But I'm, I'm not blown away by them. Yeah. Um, they're they're cool though. I, I will say the speciosas are very very cool. Um, I feel like your tank. You really really have to have a pristine. You know, you have to know what you're not pristine, I will say, but uh, you have to know what you're doing with acro. Yeah, you, for sure. You can't just jump into those and spend $1,000 and think it's going to thrive. Yeah, and I, I you know, I, I don't know how many of these Malaysian acros we've seen multi-generational frags of. So, you know, I'm kind of waiting we for that We will point. see over time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it seems like uh, SBB is is um, selling a lot of Malaysian stuff. Um, and so yeah, that's Shane, an infusion. Shane, Shane has a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. Um, I, I the one thing is, and it's just like I've never done a lot of those those wild Malaysians, so I really don't know how those do over time, how how they hold color. Mm-hmm. That's the thing with a lot of these these acros is once they're out of that specific tank, it it takes another miracle to get them back into <laughs> yeah. that yeah. color double miracle. You know, and that's unfortunately, it's like you know, a lot of people will keep the color on them, but there's a lot of people that that are just going to struggle to keep that color and. I, I, and I feel like it's a double-edged sword for the hobby, though, too, because if you're not going in it knowing that you might not be able to keep color on some stuff because your tank isn't at that level yet, yeah. um, and then you're disappointed in the long run, and it kind of it kind of gives you a bad taste in the hobby. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like you should always you should always understand that. Yeah, and I definitely encourage new hobbyists if they want to try SPS. Um, it's all, I always point them to the like you know, the torts and the bonsais, and, Absolutely. you know, just Absolutely. easy stuff that we know is tried and tested and hardy and, and or Monty's yeah. M- Monty's are yep. great. I've got, I've got, I've got racks upon racks of all the most beautiful rainbow, um, Jason Fox, Monty's WWC, like everything you can think of. They're, they're yeah. beautiful and they're almost indestructible. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. No, we'll see with Malaysia. Like I, I, my understanding too, is that the, they don't ship super well. So it's almost like three miracles need to happen because they got to survive shipping and then establish in your, in the, you know, system, they may even go through a quarantine and then keeping coral in itself is a miracle. I think, I mean, but so many (laughs) things have to have to line up for everything to be done correctly. And again, uh, I don't think a lot of people can appreciate how, you know, okay, so at, at this point, right, it's like, let's say that there's an Acanto I just posted that I've been getting uh, blown up on, and, and I had already mm-hmm. sold it before I really even posted it. That's a piece that I, I brought in specifically for somebody. Um, and then, you know, if you, if you tell someone the price of what I sold that for, they would probably be shocked. But mm-hmm. you, you don't understand how much it takes time and money to build up to get the sources to buy that stuff, just to have the option yeah. to buy that stuff, not even not even to buy it. Just to have the right to buy it. Yeah, yeah. Just to even be on that email list or have access. Yeah, to and that then folder. and then you're gonna pay. You're gonna pay their price to buy it. Yeah, yeah. And like we were talking about, you're competing with probably sometimes the Asian markets, like some of these other markets that are you know you're, big spenders if, too. If 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 collectors here think that 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 we have the money to really buy this stuff, they would be shocked at how much um other countries spend to acquire it because i mean everybody can appreciate it a crazy uh, pink and yellow scully for example i mean it's always it's going to have a value anywhere in a lot of other countries it is even more valuable than here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no it's uh it's pretty crazy i uh <laughs> i don't know if you want to answer this but um what what is the most expensive coral you've ever sold um, there's, there's a, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I, I, I told people, tell people about it all the time. It's in, it's one of, it's in one of the best tanks and one of the best hands that it could ever be. And, um, yeah. and you know, what's, and I'll say this, what's crazy is like, people might hear the number and be like, Oh my God, that is a lot of money. I, there is no, there's no, there is no profit in these things. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like that money, that money is just used to buy this because it's such an incredible piece that if I do not buy it, I can't sleep with myself. So mm-hmm. Andrew Sandler with the seventeen thousand gallon tank, one of the most yeah. incredible tanks I've ever seen. Uh, I'm not sure if how many people remember when he when he posted. He does post it all the time. There's an Acanto um, that is has the most incredible like hot pinks, purples, yellows, oranges, greens. I mean, it, it's something that if you saw in my tank, 
when I had it, um, it's the only thing you saw in the yeah. entire. It's the only, it's what you saw. Yeah, it just jumps out um, from so across that, the room. Yeah, that yeah. that that piece was that piece was eighteen thousand. Yeah, and and to be to be honest with you, if seeing it now today, it's one of those pieces that if if Hong Kong were to have access to it or something like that, it, it's not a piece that that would go for less than twenty thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, no, and I mean, you still had to deal with importing it, shipping it, like you oh, probably absolutely, took absolutely. some risk on it. So you know, the, oh, a massive amount of risk. What, what what's sad is I actually so there was, it was a, it was a package deal. I had to buy five of them, and of course, the one that uh, Mr. Sandler got was the best one. It's still one of the best ones I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that one, of course, was most of the money. And then one of them unfortunately died. Yeah, not not out of anything anybody did. It's just one. It just it got stuck and it just it died and it just it happened. So that had to be eaten into the cost. I mean, I sold the rest of the five and I and I mean I maybe maybe made a thousand fifteen hundred yeah. bucks out out of that whole deal. But publicity wise, that is a that is a coral that had to be brought in and shown off. Like I would have never been able to live with myself had I not had that on my Instagram and shown it off. And now Mr. Sandler has like, it's just incredible. Yeah, no. Yeah. And you have a pretty good Instagram following you 30,000 or so. And yeah, uh, it's all natural too. all natural. I've never bought any followers. Yeah. And that's, that's from sharing crazy corals that, you know, pictures of crazy or little videos and stuff that other people are sharing. Um, I'll definitely, I will cut um, some photos or videos. I'll I'll need you to send them to me. um, Oh yeah. uh, Into this, into the video part of this. And I'll definitely show that uh, that eight cantho because um, that sounds pretty wicked. I it's s- an it's an incredible piece. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I also saw. I don't know how rare it is, but I saw this fire mushroom that you posted a while back, and it was super nuts. Like apparently, it's poisonous or something. Oh, it's a, it's an anemone. It's an anemone. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're really cool. So we didn't really know anything about them. So um, they're 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 mimicking enemies basically. Um, the first two we brought in, which were the ones that like really, literally went like viral because no one had ever seen anything like them, mm-hmm. and um, those two are very, very poisonous. Um, it, it's one of those anemones. Like if you have it in a small tank and you're just in the water working, cleaning the glass, yeah, you will feel you will feel the presence of something in that tank that's looking for looking for something to mess with. Mess with. Do you know if it is like nematocysts, like the same stinging cells in the corals, or is it different toxins that it's that it's putting out? So that that is a question for someone like Julian Sprung because yeah. I was talking to him about it, and he was telling me that he actually had an experience getting stung with one really badly in the wild. He thought it was a leather coral, yeah, and he went up to touch it. It was beautiful, and it didn't you know realize a little bit too late that it was a very very large one of these anemones. Mm-hmm. They get they get quite large in the wild. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, no, that's one of the craziest corals. I mean, it doesn't even look like it's from this planet. <laughs> it's know? not. It's not. It's uh, it's anybody that comes to my warehouse will see it. It is literally floating in one of the massive vats, and it's front and center. And this one, the one that I have right now, the one that I've, I've been taking to shows, it, it looks like it's photoshopped. It's one of the best things, one of the most crazy, colorful things you'll ever see. Um, I would love to bring it to Aquashella just to show it off. I just, I, I hate dragging it across the country yeah. for this kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's a bit of a pain in the butt. Um, okay, well, let's yeah, let's move to the rapid fire questions. I think we can probably close this off and uh, I'll, I'll put you let's on the spot it. here. So um, points for you, actually you can answer non conventionally like you can, you know, okay. you can say a species or whatever. So, OK, so here we go. Absolutely. So favorite all time fish. Um, uh, what is it called? The, fe- the feminist wrasse with the blue and the yellow. Once I get my display tank that that is the first fish that is going to go in my show tank. Cool. I like the name too, feminist ras. I don't, I don't it's, know. It's it. a, it's mystical. When you, when you see them in the tank, you're just in awe of how mother nature can create something so perfect. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, um, but, but I will say, can, can I have a follow up to that? Because yeah. I have a black tank, a black tank that if anybody watches my videos on Instagram, will see that it's a very nosy long nose black tank. Mm-hmm. Um, that is my favorite fish in in history. She's she's my she's my buddy. She's oh, yeah. just amazing. That's cool. Bit of a P- Pinocchio. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, it, and it will it will eat bubble algae out of your hand, which is a very rare oh, thing. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, okay, yeah. favorite SPS. Probably the jaw dropper, to be honest. Um, yeah. Maybe it, maybe maybe one of these new speciosas that I saw in person once, but uh, the jaw dropper will always be the most beautiful acro cool yeah i've never seen it in person which i you'd think i would have because it's from refractor it looks exactly like the pictures i mean if you've colored it up it is every color spectrum in the rainbow wow crazy 
Uh, okay, favorite LPS. I'm going to guess it's that uh, that Acantho. Uh, can, do you want me to pick one LPS or one Acantho, or can I just say Acanthos in general? Because yeah, you, I have to, you can I, say that. Yeah. I love Acanthos, and I focus on finding the craziest ones. So if I were to pick, there's like 10 over time that are amazing. But best rainbow, and, and Andrews, absolutely. Um, yeah. Best oddball ones, there's so many that are, that are just so unique. Yeah, no, they definitely have a ton of diversity, which is just, it's just such a cool thing about corals in general is just the amount of diversity I, um, in the same One species. thing I, I will add that um, I know, uh, Andrew, there's a lot of people that go over to his house and look at all this beautiful stuff. Anybody that goes over and looks at some of his display pieces, um, there, there's that acantho, and there's a, uh, a massive Wilson. I'm sorry, not Wilsonia, Symphilia in there that's about a foot across. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, t- take take time to appreciate the pieces in his display tank because he has put together a few of the most incredible tanks that you will ever see in your life. I mean, you could travel all over the world and not see a collection of some of the bower bankies and mushrooms and acanthos and scolies and acros that, that this that this man has has made into this beautiful system so yeah like, take really take the time to appreciate that <laughs> yeah that's cool uh okay favorite softy favorite so- mushrooms all day yeah yeah you got some wicked mushrooms too i mean there's purple monsters those... bsa bsa purple monsters are my favorite softy oh sweet okay uh okay favorite light it can be product or source of light radions i mean having had all the generations you're never going to go wrong with a radion as long as you want to put that investment it's always a good investment yeah they get better and better um oh yes oh yes so if you're using one product line for all your chemistry um what product line would you say you would use as a standalone um what do you mean you want additives or yeah like like additives like you know a brand that does like kind of everything you can run a whole system off of it oh man that's i I don't run any systems off of just one product. I would yeah. say the ESV two two part is the most crucial part of any of my, of my systems. Yeah. Um, but without that, I mean, without feeding a bunch, I, I, what good is dosing if you're starving the tanks? Yeah, and well, and imagine the um, the ESV salt is really good too. I've heard really good things. I think you add the trace separately as well. So. I, I, that's that's something I've been looking into. It, but again, it's one of those things. Whoever gets me the best deal on salt, I, it has to be a good good value to change it when I'm ordering a pallet at a time. Yeah. Totally. Oh, and just a little side note: What is your water change uh, schedule? Like, what do you do weekly or monthly? Or I really don't have a regimen. I, I, I probably I would say once every two months, the six hundred gallons get a nice, nice refresher. Um, yeah. Besides and, that, you really you don't want to take out all that beneficial bacteria with water changes. So. Yeah. Yeah, and you're doing little tiny ones all the time when you ship orders too, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. When you're taking out, you know, you might take out 50 gallons one day when when you're boxing up orders. You're not shipping 50 gallons worth of water, but you're consuming a lot of water that you're putting back in. Definitely. Uh, Okay, what's your favorite aquarium controller if you have an experience with more than one? Apex. Yeah. I mean, really, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, spend the money on it. Um, Really, take the time to learn about your Apex because I feel like most people will will get frustrated that they don't understand them. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many like safety rules you can put in um, yes. that just oh, really yeah. ensure oh, it's yeah. pretty easy to learn too. Yeah. 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 Okay. Take uh, the time. Take, yeah. take the time to read about it. You know. Totally. There's lots of help on forums, and uh, I've found that oh, ne- yeah. Neptune's Absolutely. customer service is killer too. Like they respond right away. They even follow up if you don't follow up right away. <laughs> They've been really good when I've dealt with them. They're, they're, you know, it's good when they're just as, as on you as telemarketers, but in a good way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's your favorite wave pump? Uh, MP MP forties. Yeah. Any any of the any of the MP lines. Really. Yeah, they're wicked for sure. Uh, the, um, the gyra, I will say the gyra is a close second. It's pretty good. It's, it's a pain in the butt to clean. Yeah. Um, compared to the MP forties, but really really solid wave maker. Yeah, for sure. I'd say over shallower, you know, frag tables. Like I like the gyras yes, more. Yes. And, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what is your most hated pest you've ever dealt with? Aptasia. Yeah, nice. <laughs> I, I think that is the answer of everybody in the world. If someone out there creates a method where you put something in the tank and it doesn't affect anything but Aptasia, you're a very wealthy person. Yeah, well, I think that thing's called a copper band. Um, if you can get a healthy one that <laughs> that's You know, you can, you, can, you can try as much as you want. And I, I have, there's these fish called stripies. And they, they will work, but yeah. they eat corals too. So we're yeah. doing experiments with that right now too. And it's just, it's just an evil. It's an, Aptasia is an evil that no one ever needs in their life. And it's just something that if you had the time back that you spent doing that i i did yeah 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 i think i heard than from tidal gardens say that a a healthy 
copper band that eats aptasia and, and you know his, his tank condition is worth its weight in gold yeah. and i literally Absolutely. i literally like completely agree on that it's like literally could be worth i mean i actually whatever. i actually think i mean well i mean that's not a, that heavy of a fish that, that maybe a yeah couple, you know like a couple of grams so yeah. i think it's worth <laughs> i think it's worth an ounce of gold for one of those fish. yeah and that's that's a nice that's a nice price for a fish yeah yeah for sure uh, okay, you're gonna like this is the final question. So uh, this is this is uh, very uh, makes sense from our conversation. So if you were in a financial position to do so, would you do a polo reef? Um, the size that size tank and stuff. Yeah, like if you you know if your life situation and financially you know the money was kind of no big question for you, would you would you have oh, it in your house? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and. And I'll say this in in a way that like it tries to make sense. So as as doing this for a business, I, I love this. This is all I've ever wanted to do, and I love finding incredible pieces. And and there are there are cases where sometimes you just you lose your butt on these things, but you do it because you love the stuff. Yeah. Um. If I if I had the resources and ability to do it purely for the love and joy of it, and not see any any of it as a as a business or monetary thing, then absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very rare in this life to be able to create something that you, that you dream about in your dreams, but manifested in real life. Yeah. I think that is like everybody, everybody's fantasy. Even when you get into the hobby, just thinking like, Oh, imagine if I had a reef aquarium that was like the size of my wall, you know, that was as mm -hmm. beautiful as the most beautiful, you know, 120 gallon tank you've ever ha seen. Have you ever, have you ever been, have you ever been to Andrew's house? No, I haven't. Have you? Uh, yes, I yeah. have. It is. Wow. It's incredible. It really is incredible. I mean, when it when when the video says, you know, the, the recent video I saw says twenty million dollars he spent on it. Absolutely, he spent twenty million dollars, and yeah. rightfully so. I mean, it's it's absolutely incredible that this man has dedicated so much of everything to this to this to this hobby. And you know, his house is literally he he tore down half of his like house to accommodate everything in his basement. If you go down to his basement, he's got massive 2000 gallon holding vats and it's just it makes most aquariums maybe except for dubai that has billions of dollars makes most aquariums just look like like yeah crap. yeah yeah because i've seen larger aquariums like that and they just don't tend to have the coral and the color and the I, I, I don't even think it's that i don't even yeah. think it's that i mean there are institutions that could rival the amount of money that andrew puts into it all day long if they have you know all this funding like odyssey aquariums by me that cost probably 500 million dollars to build and maintain and Wow. That does not hold a candle to what Andrew is doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, his passion is very clear and he's he's a hobbyist. He understands all of this stuff. He's not, I mean, he Correct. he Correct. does have people that he hires and he pays that work 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 with him and for him, but but he understands it all. He's he's a master as well. So I Yeah. 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 This is this is why I say that anybody that is lucky enough to get the chance to go see his setup. I mean, really take, take appreciation. You might be going to some of the best aquariums in the world, paying hundreds of dollars per person to get in. And you're still not going to see the amount of beauty, rarity, dedication, passion that you will see in, in that, in that, that those tanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's like one of the wonders of the, uh, of the uh, modern world. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. When I, when I was growing up in this hobby, I mean, I'm, I'm 29 years old. I'll be 30. I've been actually in the hobby for almost 21 years. Wow. Um, David, David Saxby's aquarium was, was the one yeah. in, uh, in England, in England, I believe his, mm -hmm. his aquarium was the one that blew everybody's mind. Yeah. And it's just, it's a generational thing. Like Andrew's, this is, gen, this generation is Andrew's time to blow it away. Like David mm -hmm. Saxby was back then. His aquarium is still amazing, but Andrew took it to a whole different level. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Once I started seeing it fill up with coral, it was like, it was game over. Um, yeah. If you, if you stand in front of this thing and just realize the scope and scale of it, and it's, it's, it's a sight to behold. Yeah, no, for sure. Cool, man. Well, that's a, a good note to end on. I really appreciate your time today. Oh, yeah, of course. And uh, yeah, I'll let you go. But uh, let's do this again sometime. Absolutely. I'd love to be back. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, man. Okay. Well, let's talk soon. All right. Talk All right. soon. Cheers, buddy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Reef with Ben Aronowitz from BSA Corals. If you want to check out his website, you can just go to bsacorals.com and make sure you check out his Instagram as well because some of his craziest stuff is on there. I will link to the resources and products discussed in this podcast in the show notes. And if you have any suggestions for future guests, 
uh, want to just ask us a question, make a suggestion, make a criticism, whatever you want to say, uh, feel free to reach out at beyondthereefpod at gmail.com. Remember to like, share, subscribe, and leave us a review. And if you're looking for high-quality aquacultured corals in Canada, please check us out at fraggarage.ca. Hope to hear from you soon.